It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash futureinvestor slash radio. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. And this is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. It's Tuesday, June 21st. In this episode, we're going to talk about crypto addiction. There are rehab centers for people seeking treatment for addictions to drugs and alcohol, to gambling, and more recently, to online experiences like gaming. Now, these centers are seeing an uptake in people looking for help controlling their crypto trading. Today, I'm joined by two Bloomberg reporters, Claire Ballantyne and Charlie Wells. They've both written about how some crypto traders and equity traders have experienced the spiral from temptation to desperation. Delighted to be joined today by not one but two Bloomberg reporters. We have Charlie Wells joining us from the London office, but he's actually in New York this week, and Claire Ballantyne. Hello to you both. Hello. Hello. So we're going to talk about a slightly heavier subject than we may necessarily have discussed in other episodes, you know, where we've talked about regulation or what's happening in Congress. But today we're going to talk a little bit more about crypto addiction. And Charlie, you wrote the story, I remember when you first emailed about it, about folks who are checking themselves into rehab because they are finding it hard to control their, you know, crypto trading activities. Can you talk a little bit more about that and what you found in the story? Yeah. So I think, you know, this really kind of started with wondering, you know, can you actually be addicted to cryptocurrency? Because we hear people use the word addiction very loosely. Very loosely. And it's a serious it's a serious topic, right? Like this addictions can ruin people's lives. Um, and we wanted to know, is is crypto addiction real? Is are some of these rehab centers that have been popping up on both sides of the Atlantic and many parts of the world, are they legitimate? Are they serving some sort of purpose? And so what we did was we looked at some of these treatment centers. There's one in Switzerland where, of course, in Switzerland, (laughs) where a colleague went, they charge $9,000 a week to treat the ultra wealthy who may have, may have cryptocurrency addictions. There's one in Scotland, there's one in Maryland, there's a number of online providers. Now, I think the hard thing for the story, for reporting the story, was finding people who say they are addicted to talk to us. Because it's hard, it's, it's embarrassing, it's hard, it's a serious part of life. Um, and I think one of the striking things is I found somebody in a corner of Reddit called Buttcoin. And it is a place where people gather to talk trash about Bitcoin. And one of the people on there said, hey, look, um, I was addicted to to Bitcoin and uh, cryptocurrencies. Coming here, talking trash about it was really helpful. Thank you. And so that was one pathway that I went to find somebody. But it was an interesting journey. 
It does indeed sound like an interesting journey. One of my questions about that is, when that person says, hey, I was addicted to this, what do they mean? What does that manifest as? That's a really good question. And for him, it was interrupting his regular life. He was trading when he got up in the morning instead of playing with his new child. He is a religious person. He wasn't praying as much as he wanted to. Um, and so it seemed like he just couldn't control his behavior and, and wanted that to change. Now, he didn't go to a, a rehab center, but a lot of the kind of tendencies that he talked about in the behaviors aligned with what some of our experts that we spoke with um, said could potentially be cryptocurrency addiction. Because this is where I think it's important for us to just pause and kind of reflect on what you said at the top, which is people throw the word addiction around a lot, right? They, you know, I'm addicted to coffee. You know, you like coffee. <laughs> That's It's not the same. And so when somebody is getting to the point where they're being, they're either self-diagnosing or being diagnosed as having cryptocurrency addiction, it sounds like you're saying that some of these behaviors include things that really interrupt their normal daily activities in ways that are having harmful and potentially long-term consequences. Yes, that's exactly right. So, you know, one of the things about cryptocurrency is it, 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 it is legitimate, right? There are people who make legitimate money working incredibly hard, incredibly long hours doing this. And what was striking to me was one therapist said, you know, look, there are so many, you know, millions of people who trade crypto if crypto were as addictive as some might suggest, there would be millions of people who are mm -hmm. addicted, right? So it's a small number of people. And I do think, as you say, it's it's when it's interrupting um, your daily activities in ways that you don't want. What was really striking was speaking with another person being treated for this in a Scottish clinic. And he said that he had this realization at one point when he was taking kind of excessive risk mm -hmm. in markets was that he would start with, you know, a small amount of money, bring it up to maybe $100,000 worth of whatever asset that was, and then he'd lose it again. And he kind of had this realization that was like, oh, maybe I don't actually want the money. Maybe I'm just doing this for the thrill. Well, that sounds like gambling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that brings us to a really interesting point, which is that, you know, there is not an official designation mm -hmm. in the Bible of psychiatry, um, the DSM-5. Yes, there's not an official cryptocurrency addiction. But what gambling professors and researchers said is that this really aligns with gambling disorder. And gambling disorder was recently added to this Bible of Psychiatry. Mm -hmm. um, controversial Bible of Psychiatry. Con yes, controversial Bible of Psychiatry. And it kind of reflects this moment where we're at where behavioral addictions are getting more attention by the psychiatric community. Claire, I want to ask you a little bit about gambling and finance because you have covered meme stocks and you have covered the ways in which, for a moment, perhaps less so right now, trading these things seemed to take over people's lives. They definitely took over the media conversation. But there were lots of people, you know, also on Reddit, not necessarily in Butcoin, but certain other subreddits where people were saying, you know, they're they're not sleeping. They're staring at screens constantly. They feel like they're taking excessive risk. Are you finding any similarities in these, um, I suppose, novel behavioral expressions of perhaps older forms of, you know, 
dependencies that we develop as people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, so much of it has to do with this current moment that we're in, both with cryptocurrencies gaining popularity, um, partially fueled by um, when people were bored during the pandemic. And I think a lot of this originated with that. When people were locked down, this was a way to have community, to do something with your time besides sitting and being bored at home. And miserable. Yes. And so, you know, anything that could give people a thrill. Um, And then, you know, so maybe this started out with stock trading um, on Robinhood, um, which also has come under some scrutiny for its addictive qualities. Mm -hmm. And then, at least in my own reporting, people that I've talked to move from stock trading to crypto. Mm -hmm. And so that just sort of accelerates this pathway. But I think there is, you know, there's excitement around it. There's a community around it. And at least for a bit there, you know, now that we've seen both crypto and stocks tumble, it's changed a little bit, but Mm -hmm. it's everywhere. I mean, I take the subway every day and you can't do that without seeing a crypto ad, you know, thinking about like the Super Bowl, almost every ad had something to do with crypto. So it's... um, it's an easy environment, I think, for people to stumble into it and for it to be something that really appeals to them. And what I think is so interesting about that, and I'm, I'm glad we have managed to sort of join up the the gambling and the marketing conversation because, you know, gambling is a relatively heavily regulated activity. In a lot of places, your ability to willfully lose money is pretty constrained. Uh, you know, there are rules that vary by state. And some of the more recent conversation has been around okay, hang on, you tell me I can only gamble if I go to a casino, but now I can do sports betting or I can do way more things on my phone where it's it's really easy and some of the friction of having to go to a physical place are removed. And, you know, so folks are asking about the wisdom, as it were, of making it easier to do different kinds of, of betting and of gambling. But almost none of that conversation has been applied to crypto yet or even to stock trading. Have either of you seen anything or seen this conversation evolving to include crypto and stop trading in that in that sense? I think what I've seen mostly is there's this question of how much should it be regulated? Because mm-hmm. and it comes up in gambling as well. You know, there's uh, the concepts of free will and people should you do know, what you want. Yeah, exactly. There's, you know, your agency and you should be allowed to lose money if you want to uh, with gambling. And I do feel like that's moving over to stock trading and crypto. And mm-hmm. I remember, you know, when retail investors were first getting into the market in 2020, there are these conversations of, you know, they're, if they're losing money. Like, when does the SEC need to step in? Right. But then some traders themselves were like, don't tell me what to do. If right. I want to lose money, I can. I'll lose my money. So it's this interesting, you know, sort of discussion about how much do regulatory agencies both need to step in and should. Thank you both. We'll be right back. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. How were you able to find reputable people treating crypto rehab in this environment? So 
Good question, because I think that we really tried to bring a sense of skepticism Mm -hmm. to this. You know, the clinics that we spoke with do have, you know, licensed therapists who are who are employed, who use methods that might be similar to gambling addiction, to, you know, more well-known addictions. And so I think that was one way that we felt that, you know, we were speaking with people who are at least somewhat legitimate. I think that when you look at some of the excesses around some of the treatment, so that particular very expensive treatment center, yes, Mm -hmm. that... You know, I think there was a whole wellness element to this. And you can see how it could go, you could go maybe quite far. Um, and, you know, I don't think we would want any person who was struggling with this to think, okay, I need to shell out thousands of dollars to go somewhere. Um, the main character in the story quit cold turkey. So I think that it, it, being cautious here is really important. Claire, any thoughts on... In addition to us all all being cautious in in what is a very complicated topic, you know, you mentioned this idea of free will and of agency. And, you know, Charlie, you didn't use this word, but there's a lot of libertarians in crypto, right? There, There are a lot of people who are like, do not tell me what to do in any part of my life. And especially you, the government sovereign state that I don't trust to start with, don't tell me how to how to deal with my money. Do you think that or my my non fiat, do you think that has in any way complicated what could otherwise be fruitful conversations for people who might be struggling or for people who might have questions? I think definitely. And I think that, you know, even this discussion around what is addiction can be uh, one of the reasons why people who need help maybe don't get help. They don't realize they have an addiction or they, you know, they think they don't even know about options for treatment. And and I do think that there are lots of people out there who think they should be able to do whatever they want and that if they lose money, it's on them. There shouldn't be rules around it. And I think that it, it's all kind of connected, right? It's our current political atmosphere and it's, um, you know, how much government overstep should there be, how much regulation should there be. And so, it's, you know, and and there are lots of different kinds of people that trade crypto as a thing. I mean, there's definitely a stereotype of, you know, a certain kind of crypto trader, but there's there's many of them. And so I think that it varies based on the person, why they're investing, what their mindset is around it. Um, but I do think for many of them, you know, they would be appalled at the idea of people taking away their their right to trade this as much as they want. You know, Charlie, when you when you were doing reporting, did you find that it, these the folks that you were talking to or the folks who identify themselves or for what the experts were saying, were there similarities about them? Were they were they already in treatment for other things? Was this more of a manifestation of other stuff that was going on? Or were there people who were like, I'm totally fine everywhere else. It's just crypto. Mm, that really kind of hits the nail on the head here, which was both of the people that we quote in the story said they kind of had, you know, compulsive personalities. They knew themselves. And I thought that that self-knowledge was really refreshing um, to have people say, look, I know that I am quite compulsive. One of the men that I spoke with in the UK had drug and alcohol um, problems. One of the uh, therapists at a treatment center said that often, you know, people don't come to his center for crypto addiction. They come because they're struggling with other addictions, maybe substances. And then as they're unpacking what might be going on, you see other 
addictions as well. And so that was the case with with this man. One of the, I suppose, one of the other questions that I found when I was reading a piece is like, how would you know? Mm. <laughs> right. And and do the signs manifest pretty much the same as if you are getting diagnosed as somebody who may have an addiction to gambling or to other substances? Mm. In, in talking to those experts and those therapists, was there anything they said that was sort of unique to the manifestation of people who have, you know, come out as addicted to crypto? Mm. Or was it more like it looks like these other things mm. we see? Yeah, so I think what was striking to me here was it's not just about losing a lot of money or earning a lot of money. And so some of these addicts said, oh, yeah, sure, it's thrilling to win a lot, but it's also really thrilling to lose a lot. And it's that like, whoa, like I've lost control mm -hmm. um, that, you know, seems to trigger some reward mechanisms in the brain. Um, how do you know, though? I mean, I think if you are being hurt, I think financially, that would probably be a sign. Um, I think one of the things that we've been touching on here is just this culture of not wanting to be told right. that you might have a problem. But I think if people who you do trust who are telling you that, you know, this could be a problem, maybe that there's a there's an indication there to, to listen. Um, but it all seemed to be unique. I think there wasn't necessarily one sign like, bang, you're addicted to crypto. You know, one of the things that has happened to retail investors, in addition to equities going down, is there was a lot, there were a lot of people who were very exposed to Luna and Terra. And, and those folks were sharing some very sad stories on, you know, on Reddit, on Twitter, and other forums about what they had lost. And I did notice there was something about the severity, not just of the collapse, but of the reaction, mm. that it was one of the first times that I really saw mental health and people asking, like, are you okay? Mm. Not just, is your wallet okay? <laughs> is your account okay? Like, are you the person behind the pseudonym doing okay? And, you know, there there were there were definitely signs that this was had been pre-existing, like, fairly close-knit community, but it is it's heartening that at least in some of the darker times that folks are experiencing in markets, that there is community out there for them. I think that's a really good point. And I think it's important for us to remember, you know, th there's real people behind these trades. And we live in an atomized media environment where some people might be getting good information, some people might not be, and mm -hmm. some people are making choices based on the best information that they have. And that may have been to do these investments that people in their peer groups were telling them to do because it seemed great. Um, and they've lost a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. And that has a serious impact on mental health. And I think it's it's one thing to say, oh, wow, crypto addiction, how, how funny is that? But it's, it's serious. Um, and so I'm glad we're having this conversation. And I think, too, you know, in a down market, kind of like what we're starting to experience and, you know, it, it may get worse, there is more a sense of empathy that comes out mm -hmm. for right. people. And so, you know, the difference between someone losing a lot of money on big tech stocks, which mm. is more mainstream versus crypto, suddenly it becomes kind of similar. And it's right. all like, we all kind of lost money. We're sort of in this together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes groupthink can be good. All right. Well, thank you both for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thank you. You can find more of Charlie's reporting and of Claire's reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal on Bloomberg.com. And you can find them both on Twitter. Charlie is at Charlie W. Wells. 
and Claire is at CFB underscore 18. On the next episode of Bloomberg Crypto, do you have any beach vacation plans coming up? What if you could combine sun, sea, sand, surf, and Bitcoin? This is the latest pitch from El Salvador. Known for his beautiful coastline, El Salvador has recently tried to become a destination for the Bitcoin faithful. There's even a Bitcoin beach on offer. Tomorrow, I sit down with reporter Mike McDonald to hear more about the how and why El Salvador's millennial president is such a Bitcoin believer. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, and this is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Email your questions, comments, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. And you'll find us on Twitter at Crypto. The supervising producer of this episode is Vicky Vergalina. Associate producer is Zanab Siddiqui. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Bloomberg's head of podcasts is Francesca Levy. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.